Okay, good evening, everyone. We are ready to start. Um, tonight's class, I want to, is dedicated to uh, my uncle, my uncle's yard site, Eliezer Yehuda ben Hanatzivia's yard site is tonight. May this be an Elias Neshama for him. My grandfather's yard site is going to be tomorrow night. Uh, David Yehuda ben Yerbikasil Pinchas. May his Neshama have a very great Aliyah to the greatest of heights. Um, yes. So tonight, this week is Parashas Tetzaveh, and tonight is a very, very special evening in that tonight is the yard site of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday, and it's Moshe Rabbeinu's yard site. And we know the interesting thing is that in Parshas Tetzaveh is the one Torah portion in which Moshe Rabbeinu's name isn't mentioned. After Moshe Rabbeinu was born, Moshe Rabbeinu was born in Shmois, and through the entire Torah, every parsha thereon and onward has Moshe's name until Sefer Devarim. And Sefer Devarim, being that the whole Sefer Devarim is Moshe talking, so you don't have in every parsha his name, because if it's mentioned at the beginning, it doesn't have to have his name, because it's just a narration. It's him talking himself. So that's the Sefer Devarim. But every other parsha has Moshe's name. The only parsha that does not have Moshe's name <coughs> after Moshe was born is this week's parsha, Parsha's Tetzavah. So there's two explanations given of why Moshe's name is omitted in this parsha. One explanation is because this parsha, Parsha's Tetzavah, always comes out in the vicinity of Moshe's passing. And therefore, in order to recognize Moshe's absence, we, we have a parsha which is usually the week of Moshe's yardside which represents the idea of Moshe's absence and Moshe not being here, we are, we are missing Moshe's name in the parsha. So it says in Sefer Ma'ore Nayim from Reb Nochem of Chernobyl that uh, the lacking of Moshe's name in Parsha's Tetzave is because it's an indication that that's the time when Moshe passed away. And um, so we're missing Moshe. Then there is another interpretation which is brought in the Balaturim and also in his father, uh, the Rosh, uh, the Rosh, and in Da'azikeinim Ebalai Toisvis, so it's a much earlier common uh, explanation in which they explain that because Moshe Rabbeinu said to God next week's Torah portion, Pashas Kisisa, that if you don't forgive the Jewish people, erase my name, and a curse of a Chacham, a curse of a wise man, of a Tzaddik, uh, even if it's made conditionally, uh, has an effect, has an impact. So even though Moshe made a very clear condition, only if you don't forgive them, then erase my name from the Torah, and God did forgive them, and since he did forgive them, he didn't have to erase Moshe's name, but since it came out of Moshe's mouth, even again, even though it was a curse with a condition, it, it has a lingering effect, and so much that it affected Moshe that his name uh, doesn't appear in one portion of the Torah, and that's as Parshas Tetzave. That's what the Mepharshim say. So on both these interpretations, we have a question. On the first interpretation that Moshe Rabbeinu is omitted because Moshe passed away on Zion Adar, the question is, well, Zion Adar, Moshe was also born. So just like we have the absence of Moshe and Adar in the seventh of Adar, which is in this week's Parsha, Parshas Tetzave, we also have an increased presence of Moshe because we have Moshe's birthday. And the birthday highlights a person and highlights their energy and their mazel and so on and so forth. 
So then you're good. You have a birthday and you have a passing. So the passing makes us have an absence of Moshe. But the birthday makes us having a presence of Moshe. So why in Parshas Tetzaveh do we only have a... Why in Parshat Tetzaveh do we only have a commemoration of Moshe's passing and not the commemoration of Moshe's birthday? You might argue and you might say that Moshe was born, then he lived 120 years, then he passed away. So the passing of Moshe Rabbeinu count, counters the birthday because his birth means his presence in a physical body in this world and his passing means he leaves, he detaches from that physical body undoing the birth, in a sense, and going back to heaven. And since the yard side came after the passing, so the yard side prevails, and therefore we commemorate just the absence of Moshe, not his, not his uh, being, his presence. We can't say so. The reason we can't say so, we see actually just the opposite. We see that Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday overpowers his yard site. Moshe Rabbeinu's being born is more powerful than Moshe Rabbeinu departing. Where do we find that? The Midrash tells us that when Haman was casting his lots and deciding what would be a good time to destroy the Jewish people, when the lots came out on the month of Adar, he was very, very happy. He rejoiced very, very much. And he said, well, this is a very good sign because this is the month that their teacher Moshe Rabbeinu died and therefore, their luck is very low and very down. And therefore, I'm going to prevail over them. But the Gemara says what Haman did not realize was that they own that, that just like on the seventh of Adar is Moshe's um, yard site, the seventh of Adar, again, which is tonight, is also Moshe's birthday. And like Rashi says, it is worthy, his birthday, to overpower and to erase the day of his passing. That means that what? That the birthday of Moshe, even after, even in the days of Haman, who lived already a thousand years after Moshe's passing, yet the birthday of Moshe overpowered the art site of Moshe, Moshe's day of his passing, to bring good news for the Jewish people. And that's why the whole miracle of Purim happened. So we see that we still have the vibrations of Moshe's birthday. And if that's the case, so why in Parshas Tetzaveh do, do we seem only to have an absence of Moshe and not a commemoration of Moshe's birth? If the birth is more important than the passing and stronger than the passing. Now on the second explanation, which we said that Moshe Rabbeinu made a tenai, I'm sorry, Moshe Rabbeinu, so to speak, cursed himself with a condition, but still he cursed himself. And because of that, Moshe Rabbeinu is not mentioned in this week's parsha. It had to take effect somewhere. So it took, a, it took effect in Parsha's Tetzavah. The question is, why this parsha? This parsha is before the sin of the golden calf. Moshe Rabbeinu cursed himself, so to speak, when he asked God to erase his name on behalf of the Jewish people, that was after the Jewish people sinned with the golden calf, which is something that takes place in next week's Torah portion, Pasha's Kisisa. So why would we obliterate Moshe, Moshe's name in the Torah portion when we don't even know that story yet? We don't even, Moshe, they haven't even said it yet. It's still before the whole story, especially according to the chronological time when Pasha's Tetzava was said. There's an argument 
when these Torah portions happened. Teruma Tetzaveh, when did it really happen? According to Rashi, last week's Torah portion and this week's Torah portion really happened after the story of the golden calf. So even though it's recorded in the Torah first, but it really happened later. That's according to Rashi. But according to the other commentators, the Zohar and Ramban and so who brings it, the, the, the uh, Teruma Tetzaveh happened, God's commandment to the Jewish people to build a tabernacle and a mishkan happened before the, the golden calf, before the Cheta Egel. And if it happened before the golden calf, that means, so even both, in the Chumash it stated first, and in, in, in the actual historical order, when it took place, God commanded them to build a mishkan even before they ever sinned with the golden calf. Again, according to one opinion, according to the opinion of the Zohar. So why in the world would you take Moshe Rabbeinu's name out of, at a time period when the whole thing wasn't, didn't happen yet? He never, he never uttered that curse. He never asked God to erase his name. Why not wait for later? Definitely doesn't happen in this season. We're now in the month of Adar. When did Moshe Rabbeinu... When did, the Jew, when did Moshe ask God to erase his name after the sin of the golden calf, which happened in the summertime? Because Moshe Rabbeinu, that were Ashvuas, when God gave the Torah on Shavuos, right, which is usually in, in early June, late May or June, right, that's, when, that's when we get the Torah. Then Moshe goes up to the mountain for 40 days to receive the tablets, the luchos. Then he comes back with the tablets, and that's when the Jewish people made the golden calf, and he broke the tablets. Then he goes back up to God for another 40 days, so we're talking about July, and that's when he says to God, right, in the middle of the summer, Tammuz, erase, uh, if you don't forgive them, erase me. So this belongs, so if anything, we should make such a, a we should make a, a sign for Moshe's curse in the summer, not now in, 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 in the winter time, in March, and whatever. This is the time, well, it doesn't belong here. So on all levels, it doesn't belong here. Why, why are we doing it in Parshas Tetzada? We also need to understand what is the connection between the two reasons? Um, reason number one was that it's Moshe Rabbeinu's yard site, and that's why Moshe's name is not mentioned in Parshas Tetzaveh. Reason number two, it's because of a, of a curse. Is there a relationship between the two? Whenever there's two reasons, there's always a connection between the two. So in order to understand this, we need a better understanding, a whole better understanding in the idea of... of um, what the Gemara says, that Moshe Rabbeinu's birth, the birthday of Moshe Rabbeinu, is what actually saved the Jewish people on Purim. Which I mentioned earlier. The Gemara says that Haman made a, made a, uh, made a got all excited when he saw that the lots fell out uh, the way uh, on the month of Adar, because he said, this is a good time because Moshe died. Then it turns out that he failed to realize that it was really Moshe's birthday. So what happened? Because it was Moshe's birthday, what happens? We had, according to this, it was the birth of Moshe, which is actually what causes the whole v'nahapachu, the whole, because the whole, like the Gemara says, Haman said, um, it's a good mazel in the month of Adar. The month of Adar is the month of fish. Fish swallow, one, you know, a large fish swallows another fish, a smaller fish. So here too, he said, I'm going to be able to swallow the Jewish people alive. That's what he was excited. He felt that the mazel of the month of Adar is going to work in his favor. So God laughs and God says, hey man, 
you're missing it. He says, fish, sometimes they swallow other fish, but sometimes they're the ones who end up as lunch. So he says, and this is, in this case, you're going to be swallowed by them, not, not your, you're not going to swallow them. That's what happened. So you see, the whole month of Adar is of Anahapachu. There's a conversion. There is a, a flip over. So, and, 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 and again, the Gemara attributes it to Moshe Rabbeinu's birth. But the question over here is, we said earlier, there are two things that happen in the month of Adar. The Gemara says, Haman was happy because Moshe Rabbeinu passed away in the month of Adar. Then what happened? Um, he didn't know that Moshe was born in the month of Adar. And the Gemara says, which means that the day of the birth has enough power in order to be a kapara, to be a, 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 a cleansing, a purification, or to wipe away the negative effects of Moshe's passing. So according to this comes out as follows. We have a pro and a con over here. We have a, we have a positive and a negative. We have the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu died, passed away. That creates negativity in the month of Adar. We have Moshe Rabbeinu being born in the month of Adar. So the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu in the month of Adar is a positive energy. So what does the positive energy do? The positive energy of Moshe Rabbeinu being born balances because it overcomes and it wipes away the negativity of Moshe's passing. So if you have five minus points, and then you have five plus points, so the five plus points erase the deficit. So you're back to zero. You don't have any merit. It's just a regular month. You had negativity in the month. You have positivity that counters the negativity. So what are you back? You're back to no positive and no negative. You're back to the zero. So it comes out according to that, the month of Adar doesn't have really any special mazel, doesn't have any special favor or special uh, good omen for the Jewish people. At best, what Moshe Rabbeinu's, but, and you can't, at best, you have to just um, dismiss Moshe Rabbeinu from the equation because we wanted to see it as something negative, but the negativity got, 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 got erased by the positivity of Moshe being born. So it's just, it's, it's, it's again equal, back to zero. And therefore, it's just a regular month. But yet the sages tell us that the month of Adar is Bari Mazleh. That's a time when our mazel, when the mazel of the Jewish people is very, very strong. It's a very, it's a very, it's a very healthy time for Israel, for the Jewish people. And we know, so much so, that when the month of Adar comes in, we have to increase the joy. And we have to intensify the joy. And how long? For the entire month. Every day of the month of Adar, we have to increase more joy and more joy and more joy than the day before. And this is all related to the story of Purim, which the story of Purim is rooted in one thing, in the Haman was defeated. When Haman, when Haman really thought he was going to win, he was defeated. Why? Because with Nahapachu, it was turned over. And why was it turned over? Because as the Gemara says, because Moshe's birthday. So this is really, we, we need to understand, how does it work? How does it work how do we get such positive energy in the month of Adar? How do we get it to be such a power? We don't have any other month in the entire year in which we say that our good days sparkled through the entire year. But yet we don't have any one of these 
good days throughout the year that cast a, a happiness, a joy, a joyous energy on the entire month. To say that the entire month is now converted and the whole month becomes a happy month, it doesn't exist. It's only, it's only in the month of Adar. Because Purim is so powerful. Because what is really so powerful? Pur, the miracle of Purim. V'nahapachu. V'nahapachu that the Jewish people ruled over their enemies. Incredible. For what purpose? It's all rooted in our leader Moshe. Because Moshe was born. But Moshe also died. So how does it work? Why is it that the positivity of Moshe's birth is so powerful? And as we said earlier from the Gemara, it seems to imply that at best, it just cancels each other's out. That's my question. Take it a step further. Not my question, it's the Rebbe's question. Take it a step further. The, um, if you look in the Midrash, the Midrash says, interesting, it's a Midrash in, 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 in Midrash Rabbah and Esther. So the Midrash says that when Haman was casting his lots, he was looking at every month. And he looked at the month, the first month, the month of Nisan. And he said, the month of Nisan's got Pesach. It's got the merit of Pesach. It's got Tzchus Pesach, the merit of Pesach. And then he looked in the month of um, Iyar, and he said, ooh, this month, it's got the merit of Pesach Sheni. There's the second Pesach that we do in, uh, in, in, in Iyar. Then it came to Sivan. He said, oh, this is the month that's got the, the merit of Shavuot, right, of the holiday of the giving of the Torah. So he went through every month, and in every month he found a positive zchut, a positive merit for the Jewish people. Then, when he came to the month of Adar, he saw it's meritless. It doesn't have any merit at all. So he was happy. And then he goes back. Not only does he evaluate the occurrences that happened, historical events that happened on those months, he's looking to find the place where he can, where he can get in. He's trying to find a little loophole. He's trying to find a little breach in God's love to the Jewish people. Because they, they understand the nation's who have been starting up with the Jewish people, especially those ambitious ones who thought they can wipe the Jewish people off the map, knew it's not an easy thing. Knew they need to bypass the divine uh, protection. So they needed to find something that they can like, get in. So Haman went and tested everything as he went through the months. He saw the merit of the holidays, so on and so forth, each month. In addition to that, he was looking at the mazel. Every month we know has its constellation. So the month of uh, Nisan has the mazel of Tle of the sheep. And he found some kind of a merit to the Jewish people with the sheep. I didn't look up the Medrash today, but he found something about the sheep. And then the next mazel was the mazel of the ox, which is the mazel in the month of Iyar. And he found the merit for the Jewish people with the ox. And so he went through, finally when he came to Adar, he said, first of all, there's no holiday here. There's no mazel, there's no special deed that the Jewish people do in the month of Adar. Obviously, God was saving it for Haman himself, right? So he didn't realize that he was the one who needed to create this one. And the other thing was, um, he said, fish, nothing about fish. So the fish didn't, you know, so that's it. And then, after he made, this is what the Medrash says, and after he finished making, makes all these calculations about all the 12 months and the merits of the month, so he finds a very boring month that is literally without anything, then the Midrash says he realized also that Moshe Rabbeinu died in that month. So he said, oh, now you see that their luck is down. Not only, not only is this just a plain, simple month without any positivity to it for the Jewish people, 
There is also a great black hole in this month for them because their leader, their, their redeemer died in this month. And the Medrash says he didn't realize that he was also born in the month. Okay, so you see clearly from the Midrash that good, if Moshe is also born, it takes away that extra black dark stain that there is in the month of Ador, but Ador still remains a meritless month. So how is it that suddenly we say that the Jewish people have such mazel, our strongest mazel is in the month of Ador. Bari Adar Marbin What gives Ador that power? You say the story of Purim, but yeah, but what caused the story of Purim? There had to be some kind of a zuchus, some kind of a merit, some kind of a mazel that was behind it. And it seems like from the Talmud, from the Gemara, that it's the mazel of Moshe being born. But Moshe also dies. So how does that work? In, 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 the, in the idea of, of, of Chodesh Adar being the super, the super great month for Israel, for the Jewish people. And the idea is as follows. It really, really, really is all about Moshe Rabbeinu being born. Um, the Gemara tells us that the day of a person's birthday is a day, it's a, it's a, it's a Gemara, it's a, it's a Talmud in Yerushalmi, in the Jerusalem Talmud. The Jerusalem Talmud says that when a day of a person's birthday, their mazel is gover. That means that that person's mazel is very strong. Every person has a mazel. You have a certain, you know, I don't want to say a star, but some kind of a spiritual energy that's uh, the energy of your life. The energy of, obviously God is the energy of our life. But there's something there that is, means well. It's a good, it's a good sign for, for this particular individual, for this particular person. On the day of your birthday, that energy or that phenomenon, that power, whatever it is, is brighter than every other day. And that's why a birthday is an, is, is an auspicious day. It's a day that you can accomplish things, you can do things, you can, you can, you can take you know, uh, strides in your life that you can't do another day. It's a very strong day for a person. That's why we know that uh, it became a Hasidic custom, the Iker pushed by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, that people should celebrate their birthdays. It didn't used to be always something that people paid attention to. People paid attention. In Judaism, we are into krechzing and sighing, so we like to be busy with the art sites. You know? Eh, you know when we, but a happy thing, that you're born. And this is your birthday. So the Rebbe instituted very strongly that people should make, uh, should take the day, and first of all for reflection, and to use it as a small mini Rosh Hashanah, day of tshuva, and so on and so forth. But also to throw a party, and sit with your friends, Call it a fabrengen, and uh, give blessings, receive blessings, and uh, strengthen yourself and who you are and what you are and what you what difference you make in the world and so on and so forth. Take upon yourself new new endeavors, new new good things uh, for the for, for the up and coming year. It's like a, it's like a little Rosh Hashanah for a person, and that's what the Rebbe taught and asked very much that we should spread this, that everybody should celebrate their birthday. It's a very 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 important day. It's a strong day. It's a chiddush. But it's based on this Yerushalmi, where the Yerushalmi says that a person's mazel is gover on the day of their birthday. So what happens on Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday? It means that Moshe Rabbeinu's mazel is very strong. Moshe's mazel. Okay. Now Moshe is a big tzaddik, so Moshe's mazel is being strong is a very important day. But it's much deeper than that. 
Rashi tells us in Parshas Chukas, Hanasi hu hakoil, that um, the, the Nasi, the leader of the Jewish people, he is everybody. The leader of the Jewish people is the nucleus of the Jewish people. So he is the embodiment, the spiritual embodiment of his neshama that includes all of Israel, all of the Jewish people. That's every leader in every generation. There is a leader. That leader encompasses the entire generation, is equivalent to the generation, and he encompasses the entire generation. Now, our first leader who led us as a people, we had forefathers, but we're talking about a leader who led the Jewish people as a people, is Moshe Rabbeinu. So therefore, as our first leader, obviously he's a very, very powerful leader. And he for sure embodied all the 600,000 souls of Israel. But even more than that, we know that that generation, the 600,000 souls, they incorporate all the souls of the Jewish people throughout all of history. Which means that their leader, Moshe Rabbeinu, is the leader of the Jewish people for all of history. That's why the Zohar actually tells us that there's only really one leader to the Jewish people, and he is Moshe Rabbeinu. The Zohar says, however, is Pashtusa de Moshe Bechol Dara Vidara. Moshe Rabbeinu's Neshama gets spread out in every generation. That means in every generation there is a manifestation of Moshe Rabbeinu in the leaders of the generation, or primarily in the one primary leader of the Jewish people. He embodies Moshe's Neshama. He has a spark of Moshe. And if I'm not mistaken, I once spoke about this. The Zohar says, and I, I looked it up in Zohar this time, I couldn't find it. But I, I, last time I had far more sources, uh, so I hope I'm going to go back and find exactly where the source is. But, the, but, the, but I, if I remember correctly, the truth is I do remember. It says it. I just don't remember the exact words. Where it says that the Moshe Rabbeinu is in every generation, and primarily his main effect is in the last generation, right by the time of the coming of Moshiach. It's like Moshe Rabbeinu himself is, is back again, manifesting within the, the leader. It makes sense because the last leader is also the redeemer of the Jewish people. And we know what the sages tell us, that Moshe Rabbeinu is the first redeemer and Moshe Rabbeinu is the final redeemer. Goel Rishon hu Goel Achron. He is the final redeemer. Now not as the body of Moshe. He can't come back as the body of Moshe because Moshe Rabbeinu is a, is a levy and, and Moshiach has to be from the tribe of Yehuda. He has to be a descendant from King David. So it can't be the physical Moshe. It means Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama somehow becomes connected and part of and included in the neshama of Moshiach. And that becomes, and that is the leader of the Jewish people. It's as if Moshe Rabbeinu literally is leading the Jewish people out of this exile. He's the first redeemer and he's the, la and he's the last redeemer. If that's the case, that means that, and, and we say the leader encompasses and is equal and he is the soul of all his people. He is the neshama of everybody. His soul encompasses all their souls. That means the day of his mazel, when his mazel is shining, that means the mazel of the Jewish people are in a very strong day. If you want to know the day in which our mazel is the strongest, which day? It's tonight. The night of Zion Ador, the night, the seventh of Ador, it's Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday. Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday means that he is shining with all his power and all his might 
being that he is our, our energy, he's our soul, he's our nucleus of our being, we're all plugged into his soul and through his oxygen and his life force and his pulse, that's our pulse and that's our life as Moshe Rabbeinu is intrinsically and inherently bond up with the Jewish people as totally being one. Hanasi hu akoil, the nasi is everybody. That's another words, words of Rashi. The, the leader of the generation is like the entire generation. If that's the case, his birthday, the day of his mazel shines, is the, is the mazel day when the Jewish people's mazel is in the strongest. Now the question is, and that's the reason why this day of Zion Adar is so powerful. The mazel of the Jewish people. Now, even though we say, and everybody has heard the phrase, generally there is a phrase that says that the, all the nations and all the people in the world are under a mazel, and the Jewish people are not under a mazel. We're directly under God. As the sages say, ain mazel li Yisrael. There is no mazel to Israel. So how does that fit with what we're saying now? That we really, that uh, when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, that's, the, that's, his mazel is strong, and that's the mazel of the Jewish people in full strength. So here's the secret. What does it mean when we say the mazel of somebody is, in full, is, is strong? What does that mean? So we can say like this. Every person, every country, let's take it for about a country, every nation, Every nation has a certain spiritual, a certain identity, a certain, and therefore every nation has certain talents, and every nation contributes to humanity something. They produce something, they created something, they brought something, in terms of cultural things, in terms of innovation, in terms of people from all over the world have always innovated and brought different things. So the Chinese brought what they brought, the, 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 the people in India contributed what they contributed, uh, the, the, the French brought what the French brought, and each one, everybody, everybody contributed, everybody had something. Now what's the mazel? The mazel means the power of your identity, the power of what you represent, your spiritual power. And that's, that's where your strength comes from, that's where the strength of the nation comes from or the strength of every individual. It's you at your highest point, you at your, at your source. So your source, if, so if you can connect to your mazel, obviously that mazel feeds you, it strengthens you. And as we said before, the day of your birthday, that mazel is shining, so there is that, that energy, that particular energy that you represent is then highlighted and stronger and more potent. It's, 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 it's turned on to its highest, on the highest volume. That's the idea on a birthday. It's shining. Today, this particular star is shining up the sky more than all the other stars. It's brighter. So what does it mean? It means the spiritual energy of this particular nation or this particular people or this plant, everything in this world has a mazel. The Gemara says even a blade of grass has a mazel in heaven that tells it to grow. Everything has a mazel. So the mazel is the origins of whatever it is that there is in its purest form. So now, we, when we trace every single creature and being up to its original, original beginning, 
Every single creature begins and has a certain identity. It begins by being something. Okay? It is something. So for instance, I don't know, let's say, uh, uh, let's say fire. Fire is hot and bright and very intense. So imagine if we can go up and reach the root and the source of fire. Oh, the root and the source of fire is fire and it's all of its intensity and its original and its most potent inner state of existence. That's the fire. Well, we see the fire, the root of, of fire is gevura, but it's something. So is the root of every creature and every being and every... It starts off as an identity, as somethingness. It's, it's the something in its most original form where God initially created it. That's true about everything in this world, besides one thing, and that is the Jewish, the Jewish people. If we trace our origins back, back, back to our most original beginning of beginnings, the quintessential start of the Jewish people, we don't exist as an existence, as a something, as an entity. To say that there is, you know, God and God created nations and he created a Jewish people. And maybe they're unique, they're special, but there is a people, there is a something. There is a Jewish, a Jewish entity. That's not what it is. <coughs> the origins of being Jewish, the origins of a Jewish neshama is not the beingness. The origins, of the, 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 the origins of a Jewish neshama, if you trace the Jewish neshama back, back, back to its beginning, it's nothing other than Hashem. The Jewish neshama is not defined with any definitions. A, Jewish, a, a Jew's being is really the, 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 the undefined ex beingness of the absoluteness of God. That's our existence. Our existence, because who are we? We're not here in the world to, 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 to be a, a certain, a certain, a certain uh, creative people that creates. let's say, you know, we, no, we, we can look at the Jewish people and say, wow, take a look at all the creativity the Jewish people have created in terms of arts and in medicine and in science and in, 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 in philosophy and in, in, in every arena. <coughs> it's unbelievable how many Nobel uh, Prizes the Jews have won. Even though we're percentage or percent. And so we can say, okay, so the Jewish people were, were here to be the mind people, the people of great brain, of, 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 of great creativity in the world. They can do. No, 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 no. We say we're intellectuals. We're, we're, we're the people. That's not it. That's not, that's, that's a consequence of something infinitely deeper. The Jewish people are here to be the conveyors of God in the world. The Jewish peoples are the channelers or the conduits. Jewish people are here, as the as the as the as the as the, um, as the, um, the, the Talmud says, as the sages say, or the, the verse says, it's a pasuk. Atem edai, you are my witnesses. You are here to be a testimony to my existence, to God's undefinable, un unspecified existence. That means that our origins and our beginning is not as a something. 
We exist in the nothingness of God. When we say nothing by God, we mean the undefinable existence of God because it's infinite and simple with utter simplicity, which means it transcends any definition. It can't be said that it's blue, it's not white, it's not yellow, it's not green, it's not orange, because it transcends all colors equally because Hashem has no definition. It's not smart or, 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 or warm or cold or, or, or tall or short or hard or soft. Or, or, or intelligent, or uh, compassionate, or, because these are all definitions. These, def- these are definitions relating to Hashem's emotions, and Hashem's attributes, and very, but it's not defining God. God is beyond it all. And the Jewish people are rooted in the quintessence of God, and therefore on us, there, there is no definable existence to say that that's the beginning of our existence. So therefore, what did the sages say about the mazel of the Jewish people? What's our mazel? What's our oomph? What's our strength? The oomph of the Jewish people is Ein Mazel Yisrael. The Jewish people's mazel is Ayin. Ein means Ayin, nothingness. The nothingness of God, the undefined existence, but precisely because He's nothing, He's absolutely and infinite and beyond everything that something has a measure, has a limit, it has something that can beat it, something that can contradict it, something that can destroy it, because, it's, because anything that's something is something, and then there is something else, and there is con- conflict and contradictions, and so forth, because it's limited, it's finite, it's specified to something, and that's true about every creature, every being in the spiritual, the physical world, everything has a definition, it's all creation. So the mazel, yeah, mazel is very good. Mazel is you at your strongest point, at your original, when you're born up there in your source. That's your mazel, but that too is limited. What's the mazel of the Jewish people? The mazel of the Jewish people is our, our origins where we are absolutely not defined. Down here, what are the Jewish people? Yes, scientists and scholars and teachers and entrepreneurs and businessmen and people that are, wait, everything, and cooks and, 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 and people of all kinds of artistic talents and musicians and, and everything. And schleppers too. We have everything. Every single type of thing that you need to be, to be colorful and beautiful and, and this. Everything there is in the Jewish people. But these are just expressions outer expressions once we come into a world and we take on a form as a human race as a as a human as as a human nation amongst the human na- amongst the human race that's not our deeper secret that's not our inner essence our inner essence is the conveyor of god in this world of god's super self that is not defined by any definitions Now we down here, once we're in bodies, once we're people, we also have an identity as anyone else. And therefore we exist in, in, in a consciousness of existence. And when you have a conscious of existence, your primary, your primary, um, your primary occupation or your primary, um, uh, well, what I was going to say, the primary uh, uh, um, attention that you, you, that you, that I'm not looking for that now. Whatever, whatever the word is, you're looking out to preserve your existence, to watch your existence, to enhance your existence, because you're a, whoever you are, you want to you want to take care of that. Whatever I am, I want to I want to I want to make sure I'm I'm, I'm good. 
I'm okay, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, and I'm developing, and I'm growing, and I'm having more, and so on and so forth, like every human being. That's true. But that's not really, 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 really at the core, core essence of the Jew. At the core, core essence of the Jew, it's a whole different story. Because the core, core essence of the Jew is a non-entity. The core, core essence of the Jew wants to reveal God, not himself. In the core, core essence of the, goo, we se of the Jew, we sense God being truer than we are. Or rather, <laughs> or truer. Our existence is his existence. So therefore, what we, what we want most, and what we're the most devoted to, and the most dedicated to, is him, not us. And our biggest desire is to dissolve from our shape and form of existing and just allow his existence to shine through us. That's the deepest inner core of a Jew. Our ability to dissolve and, and, and become, to cast away our own being and our own needs and wants and whatever it is for a much higher existence and that is the existence of God. And that's why we know that at the core of every single Jew, at the root of every Jew, is the power to give their life up, Al-Kiddush Hashem. And that's what makes us Jewish. What makes us Jewish is not our Jewish brains, not our intelligence. What makes us Jewish is our Jewish soul. And what's unique about the Jewish soul? The fact that if you push it all the way up to its limits, it dissolves into being God, not self. Into non-beingness. And therefore, regarding its physical life, it's willing to give up its physical life. And that's why Jews throughout history have given their lives up, Al-Kiddush Hashem. Have always given their lives up in self-sacrifice throughout history. And it wasn't just great, devoted, religious uh, scholars. It was just like this, everyone. Women, children, all across. Scholars, laymen, regular simple people. Gave their lives up. Why? Because when, it, when, 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 when one came to them and said, you have a choice of denying God and, and being alive, or you will be killed if you, if, you, if you do not deny God, if you want to hold on to your, to your belief, your religious belief, we're going to kill you. The Jews said, you're threatening my identity more by letting me live in denial of God. That's a greater threat. That's a greater obliteration of my identity. I can't live. If, if, if you're taking away my physical life, you're obliterating me physically. But if you're making me deny God, you're obliterating my, my, my entire existence. Because who are we in our, in our true existence we're not, we're not ourselves, we are, we are Him. We are God coming down in a physical, enclosed in, in our physical bodies, here to express Him. But we're here to express the unity and the oneness of God. That's who we are at our core. Who brought that out and when did that come out? In the, in the month of Adar. In the month of Adar during the story of Purim, the Jewish people all stood for an entire year, because Haman, we spoke about this many times, Haman's decree was only on the Jewish people. And Haman was going to create a holocaust. He was going to kill men, women, and children. It was going to be a slaughter. It was going to be the worst thing. It was going to happen all on one day. We can't even fathom that. I don't even know how they had the, how they had the capacity to do it. But they were going to kill all the Jewish people in one day. And the Jewish people sat and waited waited and counted down, day after day after day after day, every day knowing the day is coming closer and closer and closer, when they, their children, their grandparents, their parents, their brothers, their sisters, their neighbors, their friends, everybody's gonna die, God forbid. And yet, and they could have saved themselves. They could have saved themselves by going to the office of, um, 
of uh, I don't know what what well, the, the, the 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 government office, and and uh, renouncing their Judaism, and saying we're we're assuming now a Persian identity. We're not Jewish. Had they done that, they would have been off the hook because the decree was only on the Jewish people. And not one Jew did that. Not one Jew from the, from the hundreds of thousands of Jews, not one Jew even thought of doing that. And it wasn't that they had a chance, it was a three-day decision or a five-minute decision. They lived at that like that an entire year. An entire year, because from when Haman made the decree until the day that they were supposed to be slaughtered was an entire year. So even though Haman was, was killed a little bit after that, but the decree was still looming because Ahasuerus couldn't revoke the decree. So there were a lot of anti-Semites that were armed to the teeth. And they were willing to, and they were going to do it. So these Jews, and they would have been legitimate because they had the king's approval that they're allowed to do so. It was a very dangerous situation. And yet, an entire people, why? Because by the story, an entire people stood and were willing to be obliterated not to, not to deny their, 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 their allegiance to God. How did that happen? What was that? It's because it's the month of Adar. And the month of Adar, Moshe Rabbeinu is born. And Moshe Rabbeinu is the leader of the Jewish people. And when a person is born, his mazel is very strong. What's the mazel of the Jewish people? The mazel of the Jewish people is our source where we begin. And where do we begin? We begin in non-beingness. We begin in being canceled in God. So that <coughs> element, sometimes we feel the conflict. Sometimes I feel that I exist very much and I'm very not happy with God telling me I have to wait another 10 minutes before I can eat um, the, you know, the cheesecake that I want to eat because I'm not yet six hours. Sometimes I feel, God, get out of my life right now. I want cheesecake. I'm going to eat it. And I'm just ignoring you. Sadly, we have those conflicts. Sometimes we don't want to listen to Hashem. That means we do feel our existence more. Because we're not in touch with our mazel. We're not in touch with our panemias. We're not in touch with our deepest identity. But in the month of Adar, because it's Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday, and because it's his mazel is very strong, and who, his mazel is our mazel. And what's our mazel? Our mazel is nullification to God. And think about it. What's Moshe? Moshe Rabbeinu's being is bitter. Moshe Rabbeinu's entire existence. <laughs> what does Moshe say about himself? He's the one person who exists in non-existence. He's the one person who keeps on saying, And I am what? I have no existence. I am substanceless. So Moshe is the root of the power of bittel. Bittel meaning nullification. Bittel meaning, when I say nullification, doesn't mean nullification. It means true existence. True existence where you're not limited to be a finite little schmendrick of you, of who, whatever we are. It's when you are one with who you truly are. And that is God. And, and here's the amazing thing. When that is revealed, we are as absolute as God is, and therefore we are un indestructible, we are eternal, we are forever, and, 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 and it's, it's unthinkable and impossible for anybody to mess with us. That's when we are super, super strong. Why? That's when we are crazy super strong. Thank you. Why are we so strong? Hear this. You can fight and punch 
and, 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 and you can try to destroy a something. Something could be destroyed. Nothingness can't be destroyed. The people that are nothing, <laughs> you can't destroy nothingness. And when I say nothingness, I don't mean absence of existence. I mean true existence, being nothing because we're beyond anything definable. Such a people that represent that which is absolute and beyond any definition, you can't destroy. So it's exactly at the moment when we dissolve from our existence, when we're willing to give everything up for God, to the point, even our very physical lives and our existence, our money, our everything, just total and say, God, you are, at that moment we are Him, and we are Him, we're indestructible. And that's why Adar, we're so powerful, we're so strong. Because in Adar, we are the most Jewish. That's why in the Megillah, we're referred to the whole time in Adar as Yehudi, Ish Yehudi. Mordechai is Ish Yehudi, even though he wasn't even from Judah. He was from, from, um, from uh, Binyamin. And all the Jewish people are referred to, they're not called Israel. They're called Yehudim, Jew. And how are we called for the rest of history after the story of Purim? We're not referred to as Israelites. We are referred to as Jewish people. Jew, Jew is Yehuda. The word Yehuda means from the word submission to God, surrender. That's who we are, and that's why the whole attempt of anti-Semitism can't work, because they hate Jew. They hate us because of what we are, and precisely because of that, they will never be able to beat us. Because you can't, you can't destroy what isn't. You can destroy an existence. They, see, they're relating to us like they would be relating to themselves. I'm a somebody. Okay, so I'm going to get a big somebody to crush the small somebody. But you can't destroy something that doesn't exist as an existence. We don't exist as an existence. We defy everything. And, we, and that's why it's interesting, the Jewish people are called Adirim, the strong ones, the mighty ones. Adirim, the strong ones. The Midrash says, in the Gemara, the Gemara, the Gemara says, Adirim Elu Yisrael, the mighty ones, those are, those are the Jewish people. Because we're connected to what we call Hashem, is Adir Baumorom Hashem. The mighty one, Adir Bamarom. God is the mighty one. The mighty one, the, the one who can't be destroyed. And that's what the month of Ador stands for. Ador represents the Adir, Adir, the powerful might of the Jewish people. Our might is because of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because of that point of Bittel that Moshe Rabbeinu, the inner deepest point that Moshe Rabbeinu awakens within us, which is our mazel, which is our point of the complete nullification, and rather, I, I don't like to just use the word nullification, it's deeper than nullification, it's nullification that leads to our assimilation and identification with God's existence. He is our existence. And because that's our mazel, that's why the whole story of Purim happened. Now, the really interesting thing is that um, it's interesting, that's why we find the month of Ador to be the one month this year it's not, it's not we, we, did, we, we don't do it, but 
in the, in the months of the year, when we make a leap year, we do it on the month of Adar. So why do we take Dafka the month of Adar and make that the month of the leap year? And the answer is the Jewish people are compared to the moon. The nations of the world are compared to the sun. The Jewish people are compared to the moon. The renewal of the moon every month represents the idea that Israel will renew itself, constantly renews itself. Even when it looks like they've disappeared, even though it looks like they've been defeated, they always come back again, right? The, the, when we're making an extra month, and we have to take one month, which month do we take? We take the month in which the Jewish people are the strongest. The month in which we are the strongest is the month of, of, is the month of Adar. The reason why we're so strong in the month of Adar is very different. So let's go back, and this is very important. Let's go back to the Midrash we quoted earlier. You see, Haman was going through every month. And Haman was saying, eh, you know, uh, Nisan, it's got zuchus, it's got merit. This one, it's got the, the, this mitzvah, it has this, uh, this, this mazel, it's, 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 it's a powerful month for Israel. And so he goes through each one, and he says each one has good omens for, for the Jewish people. They have certain powers, they have certain, sometimes it's connected to certain tzaddikim. Sometimes it's connected, sometimes it's connected to certain tzaddikim, to certain righteous people. It has this tzaddik's birthday, or this, this great person, and so on and so forth. Um, when he comes to Adar, he says this month doesn't have any merit. There's no merit. And then he looks at the fish, and he says the fish, they're, sometimes they, 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 the, 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 the fish get swallowed. Right? The fish swallow. So therefore I'm going to be able to swallow the Jewish people. And God laughs and God says, you know what? Fish, they swallow, but sometimes fish get swallowed as well. So the question over here is, Okay, sometimes like this, sometimes like that. How do you know it's going to go? It seems like Hashem is going along with Haman. He's not like, he's respecting what Haman is saying. He's just saying you're not realizing something. That fish also get swallowed. Okay, fine. But how do we know that Haman is going to be swallowed? Maybe he's going to swallow. How are we sure that it's going to go, it's going to go the Jewish way? It's going to go in our favor. It seems like it's up. It's, it's just like, like Haman does. He casts lotteries. It's, it's, it's up to something that's beyond, beyond reason, beyond, you know, uh, uh, rationale. So how do you know it's going to be that way? But the answer to all of this is like this. Every month has its particular, in terms of the Jewish people, we have in each month we have a certain mitzvah, which means we have a certain empowerment from that mitzvah. Or because it's this tzaddik, this particular person, who gives us a certain empowerment, and so on and so forth. The month of Ador, we don't have any particular empowerments from this or from that. What we have in the month of Ador is, we have Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday. And if we have Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday, it means the essential power of Israel, the Jewish people at their core is strong. So Ador doesn't have to have any powers. The, it doesn't have to have any particular specifics. It's the Jewish people as a whole. Being that it's Moshe's birthday, it's the Jewish people as a whole that's, that's powerful. And therefore, that's what's going to make sure that Haman is going to be swallowed, not he's the swallower, because Israel is not swallowable in the month of Adar. 
Because we're the, because the mazel of the Jewish people is so super, dafk in the month of Adar, it's our, it's our, and what's the mazel? As we said earlier, it's not a specific thing. It's the non, it's the non-beingness of the Jewish people. It's that our, 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 our oneness with the being who can't be defined with any definitions, that's the state of our, of our mazel of, Rosh, of, 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 of Chodesh Adar. But that's the reason why also, as we said before, when we, when we, when we, when we, um, we um, make a leap here, we take the month of Adar. Because the month of Adar represents the essential quality of Israel. And, th- and, and, it com- and three things happen when we have a leap year. There's three ideas behind it. Again, this year we don't have a leap year. But the three ideas that happen in a leap year, not in, 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 the, in the Hebrew calendar, there's no leap year. So the, there's no two adars. But w- w- what is the idea of a, of, of a leap year? The idea of a leap year is, to e- is first of all, to make the moon, the moon cycle, the lunar cycle, catch up with the solar cycle. Because what happens is the solar cycle, um, ha- the lunar cycle has a shorter, a shorter rotation. So there is less days in a lunar year than there is in a solar year. Eleven and a half days less in a lunar year than in a solar year. So after a couple of years, the lunar year is going to become too disconnected. So after every three years, something like that, we add a, or around every three years, we add a a leap year. So we add an extra month, 30 days, so we can even out the, the lunar to the sun. So what does that mean? The evening out of the, of the moon to the sun represents evening out the playing field. We have the Jewish people as, as a, a, a one sheep among 70 wolves. In a sense, a little bit of a weaker existence in this world. We're a people that have been wandering amongst the nations. We've been unstable. We've been lacking. And everybody's been out to get us. The sun is a big, powerful, powerful power in the sky. The moon... She's there, she's not there, here she's in, she's out. A flimsy little existence. In the month of Ador, when the Jewish people are very strong, that's the month that we use to even out the strength of Israel to the strength of the nations. Or even more than that, on a much higher level. When Mashiach is going to come, the moon is going to be restored again to its brightness like the sun. The light of the moon is going to be like the light of the sun. So the evening out of the sun and the moon means to strengthen, to bring to a point where the moon will stop its fluctuations up and down. The moon will be the powerful being in the sky just like the sun, but even stronger than that. Because when we make, when we have a leap year, the, the, the sun year is 365 days. A regular lunar year is 354 days. When you make it into a um, leap year, you add another 30 days, it becomes 384 years, 84 days, which means that the moon becomes even more powerful in terms of days. I'm talking about in concept, we're not dealing with, you know, the the moon's year. Being that it's now 384 days represents the idea that it's even stronger than the sun. 
So all of this is related to the power of month of Ador, where the month of Ador is our mazal is strong. Our mazal is strong because our leader is strong. And our leader brings out our essence. And our essence is our oneness with God, where we're rooted in a place of ayin, of nothingness. And in that nothingness is unbreakable. And now we'll understand an, an, an interesting thing. Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday is, we can understand why his birthday is in the month of Adar now. But the, or rather, the month of Adar is special because it's Moshe's birthday. But why, why is Moshe's birthday on the seventh of Adar? Why is it the seventh of Adar? And here's a very important idea. And that is that the mazel of the Jewish people, this point of contact where the soul dissolves in God's light, is not something that is present down here in our body. Because we're not conscious of it. In, 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 uh, in different places it explains that the mazel of the neshama is the part of your soul that's not vested in the body. The part of your soul that's, tr- that's up there. Only a, par, only, a, the, only a ray of the soul, only a, only a little bit of the neshama comes down into the body. The mazel remains transcendental, remains up there. And it says that the mazel communicates with the part of our soul that's in our body. And that's why it's called mazel. Mazel means, comes from the word linzol. Linzol means to drip drop. Dripping drop. That it drops. There's a constant drip from our soul down to our body. The fact that the Baal Shem Tov says that sometimes we experience like suddenly an awakening, we want to become better, we want to do tshuva, we want to daven better, we want to connect better, and we didn't really work on it, it's because we're experiencing these, these drip drips. It's a constant drip from the part of the soul that's not in a body, and therefore experiences the absoluteness of God to the part of our soul that's within the body. So generally our mazel is not experienced inside of us. It's above us, it's transcendent. And that's the reason why we can be living our lives based on a little bit of ego and not in total surrender to God. Because the mazel is outside of us. But that's not the point. The whole idea of the month of Ador, of Moshe Rabbeinu being born, strengthening the mazel, what's the point? The point is that a Jew should live his neshama. And not only should a Jew be aware of his soul, but he should be aware and connect to and experience the deepest point of his soul. To the point that that is expressed in his body. His physical existence is in a state of, of, of continuous surrender to God. Like Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu physically lived the life of total nullification to God. That's why when Moshe was born, the moment Moshe Rabbeinu was born, it says the whole house became full of light. When Moshe was born, the house became full of light. The house, meaning the physical environment, suddenly became illuminated with the light of the soul. That's what the whole point of here is. The point is that this deep connection to God should not remain in the inner, deepest resources, the recesses of the heart. That what? That when, 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 when a person is going to come to a point, shop, push, shop, push comes to shove, and someone is going to want to disconnect them from God, he'll die. The point is not to die for the sanctification of God's name, even though Jews did that. And it's, it accomplished something very, very big in the universe and in creation and the purpose of creation. But that's not the point. The point is to live daily with this consciousness, with this awareness, with this channeling of God's truth through us. 
And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu was born seven days into Adar. Seven days is a whole week. Seven days of the week represent all of time. In other words, you have already time passing. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, seven days. A full, a full week. A full passage of time. And within that passage, once you have the full phenomenon of time and space, in that design of time, in that already full structure of time, comes the powerful soul of Moshe to bring absolute truth into the details of everyday living, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, uh, every single day permeated with a deeper point, a point that's higher than life, or is the essence of life, higher than, is expressed in everyday experience. And that's the same idea as we said earlier, Moshe is born and the house, the physical house, is filled with life, with light. And that is interestingly expressed, this year, the month of Adar, came out on a Tuesday last week, on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. What's the significance of the month of Adar coming out on a Tuesday and on a Wednesday? Tuesday is the third day, Wednesday is the fourth day. So when Rosh Chodesh Adar comes out on the third day and on the fourth day, you have Gimel and Dalid, three and four. Three and four equals seven. So in other words, the, the whole idea of Chodesh Adar, if you think about the word Adar, it also is the same thing. Aleph refers to God, to God. Aleph, Hashem himself, the singular one, Dar, lives down here in time and space. So when it comes out on a Tuesday and on a Wednesday, you have three and four mixed together, make seven. That's when Moshe was born, on the seventh of Adar. But you have it already on Rosh Chodesh. In other words, the entire month becomes a month of, of the deepest point of the Jew manifesting, revealing itself in, the, in all the external expressions of everyday life. That's the point. And then it's also the word Gimel and Dalid spell the word God, which God means Mazel. Ba God, when, when God was born, his mother said, Ba Mazel. But she said, a, big, a good Mazel came. God means Mazel. So the Mazel of the Jewish people, that's the essence of the soul, is manifesting in all the seven. It's, it's, it's not... It's, it's not up here. It's not floating above the person. It's not in our superconscious. It's actualized. It's grounded. It's facilitated. It's, it's, it's manifesting in daily decisions, in everyday life. The purest, deepest point of our soul is connecting to, to decisions that we're making in our mundane daily activities. To live a godly existence. To live for something higher than ourselves. To live in a deep surrender to Hashem. To live... In, included in God's existence as we're one with Him, not an individual something sticking out, but, but being part of His truth. That's Chodesh Ador. Now we'll also understand its connection both to Parshas Tetzaveh, as we said, and to Moshe Rabbeinu's name being in the Parsha, not being in the Parsha, as we'll see in a moment. The opening verse of Va'ata Tetzaveh is the word says Va'ata and you, Moshe. Who is you? Va'ata is referring to Moshe. So let me know, before we do that, let's, let's step back a second. All this is connected 
We said before, when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, the birth, because well, earlier we said that the birth of a person, that's when his mazal is strong. Why is the mazal strong? Because that's when your essence is revealed. So we find that when a baby is born, they don't have a name yet. I mean, parents today's days pre-pran the name and they give it. But in Judaism, there's no name for a baby. For a girl, it's given by the Torah, after by the first Torah reading or whenever. And by a boy, it's given by the circumcision. That means but the time period that the baby is born, for a boy, for eight days, he's nameless. So in what condition is this child? Doesn't have a name, doesn't have an identity. He doesn't have a limiting identity. He doesn't have a defining identity. His mother's not saying to him, you, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be something specific, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. He's being his true self. An undefinable existence, totally one with God, that's why he doesn't have a specific name. You don't see yet a specific because he's not yet definable. Again, a person needs to have a definition. You need to have a certain persona and a, that you channel all this essential godliness into that specification. But first you have to recognize that you're a being that's beyond all identity and beyond all being, your existence, your identity is, one with, is as true and one with God's very existence. And that's the baby when the baby is born. So when Moshe was born until he got his name, it's also, it's Moshe himself, is his very being. And Moshe's very being is the essence of the Jewish people. And that's why Pasha's Tetzaveh, which is the Parsha when Moshe is born. It's not just, when Moshe's name is not there in Parsha's Tetzaveh, it's not just because Moshe died. It's more because Moshe was born than because Moshe was passed away. Because when Moshe was born, his essence was revealed, not his name. That's why the opening word of Tetzaveh is actually Moshe. The first word of the parsha Tetzaveh is Moshe, because the, the first word in this parsha is Va'ato Tetzaveh. God is speaking to Moshe, and he says, and you should command. Va'ato, you. So God is referring to Moshe, but he's not calling him Moshe. How is he calling him? Va'ato, you. Who's you? You is the you as much as you are you, your essence. So the parsha Tetzaveh, which is the birth of Moshe, doesn't have Moshe's name because it's infinitely beyond his name. It's his essence. And that's the reason why the actual first pasuk is va'ata you, Moshe, your very being, tetzaveh, and, oh wait, so that's the essence of Moshe. Atta is the essence of Moshe. But before the word atta, there is a vav, ve'ata tetzaveh, and you. There is atta you, and then there is an and. Now vav in Hebrew is a line, right? Which in Hasidus it explains that whenever there's a line, it means in the Zohar it says so, so it means a hamshacha, it means a flow. So the word va'ata means a flow from the essence of Moshe. Moshe's essence is being channeled to who? To who? Tetzaveh es b'nei Yisrael. You should bond, you should connect to the essence of the Jewish people. You will and you will bring out their essence. You will uncover their essence. And therefore, what will they do? They're going to bring to you pure olive oil. What's the pure olive oil? That's the purity of their soul. That's the deepest point of the Jewish soul that's called pure olive oil because olive oil doesn't mix with anything. 
You put it into anything, it always floats to the top. It's the Jewish essence. You can't contaminate it. It never gets ruined. And just like, an, just like oil comes out of the olive only when you crush it, so too the essence of the Jewish people always comes out when the Jewish people were crushed throughout the Mesiris Nefesh, throughout all of history when we had to give our lives up through the crushing, crushing, crushing. And then what happens? Crushed. So that it will bring us not just to light. Ma'or means the source of light. Light is revelation. This is deeper than revelation. This is going to reveal how the Jewish soul is one with the essence of God that's beyond all lights. And then, but what's the whole point of it? Not, to, not in a way that we should die with this. Not in a way that we should ex- float up into outer space. Lahaloi snare tamid to light up the entire world with a constant light, with an awareness of God's truth down here in the physical world and every place in the world. But who is going to accomplish all of that? The Atotetzave, Moshe's essence, is going to uncover our essence through the Vav. There is a Vav that connects Moshe to the Jewish people, stimulating from his essence our essence. And through that, Tetzave bringing out in us Shemen Zayizach, our deepest olive oil, Kusis, which comes out as it, when we crush our outer egos, Lamor, the true essence of the, our existence comes out, and that can illuminate the whole world. That's why this is the parsha of Atot Tetzave. And this will also, so now you understand why Moshe Rabbeinu's name missing is not related just to Moshe's passing, it's actually an expression of his birthday. Because the birthday of Moshe is to reveal the true being of Moshe much deeper than his name. And now we'll also understand why according to the other opinion, when Moshe Rabbeinu, so to speak, cursed himself to be erased from the Torah, it was put into this week's parasha. Not, even though it happened later, why was it put into this week's parasha. This idea that Moshe Rabbeinu's essence is his non-beingness, just, and what does it do to us? It reveals in us our non-beingness, meaning, that, meaning our ability to be not, our ability to be completely identity-less in the overwhelming identity of God, to lose ourselves in God's existence, and our, our, what we express is God, not ourselves, that total bittle. Where was it expressed in Moshe? Moshe's entire life was aspiring to bring the Torah to the world, to teach Torah, to bring Torah. Moshe's entire being was the Torah. And yet, when push came to shove and the Jewish people were in limbo, Moshe said to God, erase me from the Torah. I don't want to be, we, we don't understand, we don't begin to understand, we will never understand what kind of sacrifice that was. You know what it means he's saying, erase me from the Torah, meaning whatever I stood for, my entire existence and everything, goodbye, nothing, I don't have anything left. Why? Because of them. For who? For sinners, they just did the biggest sin. That's because Moshe Rabbeinu has no self. And when the Jewish people are in danger, he transcends everything about himself. Even his love for the Torah gets... Because that too is him. He loves the Torah. That out. There's only one truth. There's God's essence, which is one with the essence of Israel, which is one with the essence of Moshe. So Moshe says, 
erase my external existence to reveal my internal existence. What's my internal existence? How Hashem, Moshe, and the Jewish people are just one. And when that's revealed, then it will be revealed in the Torah as well. Because the Torah is also one with God. But the Torah is one step more external in terms of that bond. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu was willing to go so far, erase, and in that erasing of his existence, that's exactly where Moshe is revealing his identitylessness, that he's not, he has no identity for the identity of the Jewish people. So therefore, in which parsha is it revealed? In the parsha of his birth, which is when his essence was revealed. See, Moshe Rabbeinu, the moment after he's born and he gets a name, he already starts operating from within a certain personality. He's holy, he's, the, he's, he's righteous, he's good, he's compassionate, he's smart, he's intelligent, he's, 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 he's uh, whatever. All the qualities you can say about Moshe Rabbeinu, these are all true, but these are external identities that are related to his name and to certain things he works upon as he's growing in his life. But there's something much deeper than that, and that's his essence, which was only revealed when he was born. And which, in which parsha was he... When is his birth? In the Zayin Adar, the month of the Parsha of Tetzaveh. And therefore over there it says, Va'ato Tetzaveh. So you want to know why next week in the Parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu can say to God, erase me? It's because, Va'ato Tetzaveh, because his essence is revealed in the Parsha before, because his essence does not allow, God forbid, for the Jewish people to, jeopard, to, be, to be in jeopardy. So it really all comes together as... So that's why it has to be in Parshas Tetzavah, that Moshe's name is erased. For, for this that he cursed himself. Because the content of that curse is his essential bond of the Ata Tetzavah of this week's Torah portion. What we have from all of this is the power of the Jewish leader, which is really rooted, the, the, the true leader of Israel, the true leader of the Jewish people. His essence, his... his, his uh, his soul is the deepest point of oneness between Hashem uh, uh, with God. And as we said before, he is the root of Israel and the root of the Jewish people. And therefore, his birthday, his, his neshama, his power is the most, the strongest and most powerful force in existence is the Jewish people. Because God created the world for, for, for the Jewish people and for the Torah. And the day that represents that power more than any other time is Zion Adar, Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday. So what do we see as we're entering the days of Mashiach? So I've been speaking so much in the past about how we're watching and how we're seeing so many things that are happening um, in the world that are pointing to Mashiach in an incredible way. So I've been, but I've been showing you that they're all connected to special dates, as we've discussed in earlier classes. And they're all connected to the leader of the Jewish people. So many things, for example, Chabad has many holidays. All the most amazing things that happened over the last three years that are so messianic, that are so mind-blowing where the world is turning over, we're all, they all consecutively took place on, on days that are special days for the Jewish people at a whole and on the Chabad calendar. And this is just something that you can see on your own. For example, 
when the Jerusalem was announced to be the, the undivided capital of the Jewish people, two, three years ago in 2017, it was happened on the 19th of Kislev, which is the day of the liberation of the Alter Rebbe. Right? When, um, just this year, when um, the, the Conservative Party in England won a stunning victory against Jeremy Corbyn, the anti-Semite, and his Labour Party, it happened on the 14th of Kislev, the day of the Rebbe's wedding, the Lubavitcher Rebbe's wedding, his wedding anniversary. The day when the anti-Semite, ruthless terrorist, um, what's his name, um, uh, Soleimani was killed. And by the way, the whole world was like going to be turned over after. Just like they said that when you will announce Jerusalem as the capital and you move the embassy, it's going to be World War III. There was no World War III, and the embassy is there and nothing happened. They were, they were, they, they were predicting who knows what's going to happen when they killed Soleimani. Nothing happened. All you have in Iran now is coronavirus. There is nothing else going on. There's nothing else. I mean, coronavirus is sad, but I'm just saying it's amazing. If you're following what's going on, it's really unbelievable. So, so, so we, we haven't seen anything. No, no, no repercussions, nothing. It's when you're not afraid from evil and you do the right thing, then, then God helps. Nothing happened. All we have now is a weakening of evil. But when, when did it happen? On Hay Tavis, the day of the Rebbe's victory, uh, in Chabad, it's called Dida Natsach Day, the day of the victory of the books, when the Rebbe won the court gate. In Chabad, every year we celebrate it as a day of victory, that's when it happened. Exactly on the day. On the day that they announced, the United States announced that the, that the, um, the, uh, the uh, settlements are not inherently a, uh, a, a against international law. The ones in Yehuda and Shamron and all those places. Amazing, amazing announcement. This was a going, this is turning around the policy of the United States for so many years. It was a miracle. When did it happen? On Chav Cheshvan, the birthday, birthday of the third Chab, of the fifth Chabad Rebbe, who himself fought for the city of Hebron, as I discussed in earlier classes. Notre Dame burnt down, the symbol of the Christian oppression of the Jewish people. Last year, suddenly, it went on fire. When did it happen? On the Rebbe's birthday, on Yud Aleph Nisan. The Golan Heights announced that it will be returned to the, it is the legitimate territory of the Jewish people. When was it announced? On Purim. Shulam Mordechai Rubashkin, when was he freed? On the eighth day of Hanukkah. President Trump, who's been at the at the forefront of all these amazing, amazing transformations. Now anybody that still doubts if he's an agent of God or not because of people having a lot of California ideas, let me just say, um, I think it's becoming very clear when you're seeing who the contestants are. If it's gonna be Bernie Sanders, sadly a Jew, but are you, is, it, is, is there any way that one cannot see that we're dealing with a person who, if God forbid, would be president, would be the worst president for the Jewish people and the worst president for Israel ever. Someone who's saying that he's going to move the embassy back to Tel Aviv. He's going to stop giving money to Israel and give them to the Palestinians. He's going to resurrect Hamas. He's going to go back into the Iran deal. I mean, you're talking about the most idiotic stupidity. And anybody who can still follow that, that path 
is I'm going to say in this class, and I'm not afraid to say it, is absolutely plain and simple stupid. That's what I'm going to say. If you're Jewish, if you have a Jewish heart, if you don't have a Jewish heart, I don't know what to say, but how can one not see this? It's crazy, okay? I know it took a couple of years to, to, to get past the Trump, the Trump, the Trump, the Trump, the, the monster Trump. But now, when you're seeing already what the choices is, the world is splitting between good and evil. You're seeing clearly it's either you're for the Jewish people or you're against the Jewish people. It's such a clear thing. It's happening in front of our eyes. It's about time that we take off the blindfolds and see that the redemption is happening. So again, this, this war against Trump, when they wanted to take him down, when did it start? The, the case against the, 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 the trial against him. First they tried the Russian collusion, that didn't work, and by the way, that ended on Shushan Purim. And then when they tried again with the, with the impeachment, the trial began on the 24th day of, of, of Tavis, the day of the Alter Rebbe's yard site, of Shneer Zalman of the Adi's yard site, and the day that he was vindicated in the Senate, was Yutchvat, the previous Rebbe's yard site, and the day the Rebbe became Rebbe. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's every single thing is happening exactly on the, on the Rebbe's dates, on the dates of the, on celebrating these awesome days of Chabad and day, generally for the Jewish people and particularly connected to the Rebbe, who said that we're now entering the days of Mashiach. So here is another thing. So what happens now? Israel is holding now its held its third election today, and everybody's celebrating Netanyahu had a win, which is nice. I would much rather Netanyahu have a win and the right side have a win than God forbid the left. But after everything is said and done, if anybody is willing to negotiate and give one piece of land, one inch of land away to an Arab, to, that is a crime against God. That's a crime against the Eberster. The Eberster gave the Jewish people Eretz Yisrael. We have no right to go and give it in, o, away. So even this idea, so and the Lubavitcher Rebbe said then, if Shamir is going to negotiate to make uh, 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 deals with the land of Israel, I am, he said, the Rebbe said, I am going to take it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make sure his government is going to collapse. So the strange thing happens, they tried one time an election, Netanyahu almost had it together and he couldn't put it together. It collapsed. So now last year they tried it, they did it in three, in, in this one year, three times already, this is the third time. So they're celebrating. Meanwhile, what's the results? We're just looking preliminary results. 59 seats. 59 is not enough for a government. They need 61. They're exactly where they were a year ago. Exactly. And it's all dependent on Lieberman, which doesn't want to budge. So it looks like we're going to be at the same place, no government in Israel. Why? Because it's time already for Mashiach's government. There's no room for any other government. It's not, so it's interesting. It could have been well, just a tiny bit. And, but, but you know what the strange thing is? When did it happen? On Zion Adar, on Moshe Rabbeinu's yard site. So today, today was the voting. It, they started voting during the day. It was the day before Zion Adar. But it became evening. They, they, the, vote, the, 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 the voting booths were open uh, until 10 o'clock. So at around 6 o'clock, it's dark in Israel. So it went into Zion Adar. So you see who's... And then over here in the United States... Tomorrow is Super Tuesday, which is the day of Zion Ador, Super Tuesday, which is going to decide, at least seemingly is going to decide who's going to be, or very, very possible is going to decide who's going to be the contestant in, in, in up against Trump in, 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 in next year's election. So all I am saying is that it's very, very clear 
from the Gemara, and it continues to the very end, that you see clearly today's days that the entire fight and the war, both here in America and in Israel, is really about... It's, it's about the Jewish people, it's about Mashiach, it's about the Third Temple. And the whole world is taking sides, which side you're going on. In the middle of all of this, the Abishta throws in coronavirus, and it's making the whole world crazy as well. I don't like to give interpretations on viruses, that's why I'm never going to, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, that, Hashem should give Rafu and I heal, I don't know if we need a virus in order to bring Mashiach, so we can, why, it, but one thing is for sure is that something's happening. Strange things are happening that are just really, really strange. But what I think is very, very important for us to realize is that the fact that the, these two powerful elections are taking place on Zion Adar, it's just showing who's the boss. Nothing in this world is going to happen that is not consistent with Mashiach and with God's will. The world is actually now being, it's so clear that the world is now, the Eberster is putting together the puzzle the way he wants it. He's flipping things over in an incredible way. And uh, we, as people, need to be aware of the coming of Mashiach. We need to be excited about it. And we need to do whatever we can to improve ourselves. Because we want, we don't want, to, we want to be in our best clothing. We want to be best ready to be able to greet Mashiach and see Mashiach. Because it's so, so, so happening. It's so real. And it's very important because in any moment, it's going to be, in a sense, too late to prepare yourself. Now is the time to prepare ourselves. All these things that are happening is Hashem whispering to us again and again and again, says, open your eyes, see how I'm running the world, I'm changing everything, get ready, get ready, get ready. Do whatever you can, do whatever you can. Add more Tehillim, add more good deeds, add more Avas Yisrael, add more mitzvahs. It's, it's happening, it's happening. And anybody thinking that they're running the show and they're controlling everything, they're controlling nothing. You see that everything is happening exactly running according to a higher calendar, being directed by forces way beyond the players down here. They're absolutely in the hand of the Abishter, Lev Malachim Vesarim Biyad Hashem. Even elections where you think people have freedom to vote, even that is so directed by God that, 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 that there's, no, there's no real free choice in the matter of the, new ex, of the governments that are elected in the world. It's all just what the Abishter is setting. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't vote. We have to vote. We have to do our best. But at the same time, the amun and the understanding that God is running things exactly the way He wants it. And in our case, it's racing towards the complete redemption. And Baruch Hashem, we've been seeing miracles. We will continue seeing miracles. And this Purim, hopefully, will be um, the first Purim in the days of Mashiach, Bezrat Hashem. Not the last Purim in, Gol in Golas, but the first Purim in Mashiach. May it be now, now, and now.